Quentin Tarantino burst onto the Hollywood scene in 1992 with his directorial debut, Reservoir Dogs. This indie darling became an instant cult classic and launched Tarantino's career that has spanned 10 critically acclaimed films, but nine if you ask him, all which take place in the same universe that has been dubbed the Tarantinoverse. But while Reservoir Dogs was his first film that put him on the map, it wasn't the first script to bear his name. That honor goes to the film we'll be discussing today, 1993's True Romance. Written before Reservoir Dogs, but filmed and released afterwards, True Romance marks the true beginnings of Tarantino's career. Although not directed by Tarantino himself, many Tarantino fans have found themselves including True Romance as part of the all-time great's complete body of work. Well, today, that's us. Welcome to the What's It About Film Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring creatives analyze films to see if we can glean their thematic center. I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And today we're asking True Romance. What's it about? Seth, welcome back again. Welcome back. Yes. Welcome back to you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> this was your decision. I just want to remind you of that. It was. It was a, it was my decision. Uh, I had never seen this film. And, uh, I think, I mean, like it's kind of, um, it, this ends, I've been wanting to watch this movie for a really long time Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's kind of closing out my Tarantino experience. And it's kind of, it was interesting to, to watch this movie after having seen all of his other stuff and, Mm -hmm. and never seeing this movie. So I was really excited, uh, to, to watch uh, this movie. This yeah. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of people, you know, a lot of film fans really know this, but a lot of other people, you know, normal film goers and things like that might not realize true romance was a script written by Tarantino that he wrote before he had written any of his movies, but he didn't sell it until the success of reservoir dogs afterwards. So uh, reservoir dogs became such a hit. And then he was able to sell this script afterwards. Uh, so even though he didn't direct this movie, obviously it, it is part of his collective works really. Um, yeah. uh, and a lot of people can see the Tarantino isms in this script, uh, oh, yeah. that we'll get oh, into, yeah. I'm sure. Um, uh, just to ask you, have you seen natural born killers? I have not. Well, just uh, for, to add another Tarantino thing to your, to your list. Uh, he originally wrote the story for natural born killers that was then heavily, heavily revised, but like the original, he has a story by credit on, natural born killer so if you want to add something to your tarantino journey uh huh. your quest to, to tarantinoize yourself uh yeah go ahead and put that on your list i don't uh, know i don't know i i think does that count at that point <laughs> uh yeah no definitely but i i i've always been a big tarantino fan but i do feel like the sun is setting for me on mm-hmm my fan like not not fandom but idolization of him okay Uh, like growing up he like pulp fiction is the movie that made me want to be an actor Mm -hmm. like specifically samuel l jackson in pulp fiction made me want to be i was like that guy i want to be that guy (laughs) you know and uh and i don't know like (sighs) this as time has gone by, uh, you know, like Tarantino, I think he's brilliant in a lot of ways, but I'm not, I don't think I'm idolizing him like I used to. I think he's kind of, this movie was a great film to watch to help me go. Yeah. 
I'm okay with maybe letting go of some of my fandom of this guy. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, a lot of people, I think, put, put Tarantino up on a pedestal uh, as far as like a director and a filmmaker and a writer. And while, of course, extremely talented and 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 gifted in so many ways, you know, he has his his pitfalls. He has his things that I think, especially stylistically, that some people don't really quite enjoy. Uh, and again, this was like one of his very first scripts. So this particular story uh, that we're about to get into here um, was a very young Tarantino writing this script. So Yes, it uh, felt very juvenile, very adolescent, the whole thing. Yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, and just a reminder of everybody at home of the, the premise of our show, what's it about. Uh, we are going to be talking about the central theme of this uh, story, at least what we kind of gleaned from it. Uh, so we're not talking about what it's about as far as its plot goes. Uh, plot is the sequence of story beats that are put together that help convey a thematic idea. So we're going to try and get to that thematic idea and talk about what we got out of this film while using different story points and things like that to help illustrate our thoughts. Um, so Seth, before we get into our ideas of what's it about, let's chat real quick about a little bit of the uh, uh, a little bit of the background of this film as far as this film is directed by Tony Scott. Tony Scott is the director of movies such as Top Gun, uh, Days of Thunder, The Last Boy Scout, Deja Vu, Unstoppable. So a lot of these like pulpy action movies, especially in like the 80s and 90s and then like a little bit more of like these really fun things with like Denzel Washington. He worked with Denzel Washington like three, four times in his career. Um mm. Uh, during like the early 2000s and things like that. Unfortunately, Tony Scott did pass away in 2012. Um, so uh, his film work kind of ends uh, in the late 2000s. Uh, and of course, written by Quentin Tarantino, who we know, Pulp Fiction, Re Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Wilson, uh, Jackie Brown, sorry, Jackie Wilson is a singer. <laughs> uh, Jackie Brown, Hateful Late, uh, Kill Bill, yada, yada. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yada yada yada. On and on and on. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about true romance. True romance. This is the logline for true romance. In Detroit, a lonely pop culture geek marries a call girl, steals cocaine from her pimp, and tries to sell it in Hollywood. Meanwhile, the owners of the cocaine, the mob, track them down in an attempt to reclaim it. Thank you, IMDb, for that summary. All right, Seth. Yeah, it's a good. I, yeah, they laid it. They laid it all, all out right. for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no Seth, spoilers. No, no spoilers. spoilers. No spoilers. But but like that is the the very basic plot. I think that's yes. a pretty good. That's a pretty good written summary. Uh, so Seth, let's ask the question: What's it about? Well, I mean, since I picked it, I normally go first. Maybe you oh. should go first. Okay, let's week. let's flip it. You ask me. Yeah. So Ricky, what's it about? That's a good question, Seth. Um, uh, so this is what I got out of it. For me, it's called true romance, right? Mm -hmm. And you might – a lot of people I think right away might be thinking that it's about the romance of Clarence played by Christian Slater and Alabama played by Patricia Arquette about their kind of whirlwind affair that they have, right? Uh, that that's the true romance. For me, I kind of was pulling a Seth with this and I was seeing it almost from a meta perspective in that the true romance is the fantasy of the story is the true romance. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, 
So uh, the definition of romance, as I looked it up, there are a few different definitions, but the the three that really hit me were a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love, a genre of fiction dealing with love in an idealized way, or an exciting, enjoyable love affair, especially one that is not serious or long-lasting. Hmm. So, so th- this phrase kept coming up a bunch of the times, live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse, live that fast, one. die young, leave a beautiful corpse. One of the first lines of the movie. Yep. And so for me, this film is about the romantic romanticization of that lifestyle. Uh, that's the true romance for me. The, so the true romance for you is the, ro- is a is about life, the lifestyle, a romantic lifestyle. Not yes, this idealized, fast, fun, do whatever you want, hot, heavy, passionate love. You know, it's all about the the speed and energy of it, rather than the, the long. Yes, the longevity of something. Yes, that's what I felt. These characters are making decisions very snappily. They're making very snap decisions that causes something to happen, causes the next thing to happen. And it's just very much fly by the seat of your pants type of decision-making and their love. They love it. They're loving that. That's their life. That's the true romance for me. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I agree. Mostly. Mostly. Okay. Yes. I, I did go a bit further. Okay. uh, In terms of, I can't not, I can't not think about Quentin Tarantino writing this film mm-hmm. as he's writing the film, right? Yeah. So, yes, that is, I think, Tarantino's definition of romance is is like what we're seeing in this film. But I also think he's saying romance is bullshit. Mm. So I think, I think he's, I, I mean, like, to me, this is almost like birth, like a birth of incel culture, <laughs> okay. or like. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, so I, I, Quentin Tarantino. The, the more I listen to him talk, I'm like, whoa, dude, you 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 got some issues, bro. And yeah, uh, I think well, well, yeah. I mean, but like, I don't know. There's just like this whole tribe of people that are behind him and 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 uh they're very similar and i have you know uh i guess i've come to the light on on this issue i guess but like what i'm saying is is you look at quentin tarantino this movie especially i said this last night in a much cruder way to you um i i felt like i was looking at at his private parts in this movie like Mm -hmm. I felt like I, it was very vulnerable and I was like, whoa, okay. Like, like there is a very, very thin veil over a lot of your personality and problems, bro, uh, that are very, very evident in your writing in this film. And so what, what I found the film to be about is this is what, this is what Quentin Tarantino wants romance to be but he thinks it's bullshit. He thinks it's actually all love and romance is bullshit. Um, Okay. So that's true. True romance is bullshit. So you're saying 
saying the the so what you're kind of saying is where I was looking at what is the true romance, right? The true romance is not the character relationship. The tr- I was looking at the true romance being the rom- the love of a lifestyle. Yeah. And you're more looking at that title as like a a little bit sarcastic. Oh, yeah. There yeah. Is- There's no such thing as true romance. It's really all a lie. Yeah. True romance yeah. is a lie. True romance is bullshit. Yeah. Okay. True romance is false. It's fake. All um, right. So we both got kind of our ideas here. Um, and let's go ahead and go through some of our notes and talk about like why we kind of came to our, uh, some of our conclusions. Uh, and um, I mean, the big one being, as I mentioned uh, that, that, that phrase that is mentioned a handful of times, live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse. Right. Yeah. Live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse. It's and it, and it compares it to the way Elvis, right. Elvis lived. But the thing about Elvis is, which kind of maybe goes a little bit to more your point here, Elvis did live fast, but he didn't die super young. He was middle yeah. aged, and, and he, he did not sad. leave. Yeah, he did not leave a beautiful corpse. Like he was out he of shape. He was very sick. Yeah, yeah. So, so like that's even itself a lie that the character's telling himself is like, oh, I'm gonna live life like Elvis. It's like Elvis didn't live that way, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I like. I there is lots of motifs and things in this film I did love. Okay, like there's things that Quentin Tarantino does that I really do. It just jives, man. Like, like the whole Elvis, all the Elvis stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. Just like the vibes you get from Elvis and like being driven by a haunt, like and haunted by Elvis. It, there's something magical about mm-hmm. that um you know but who, like you know who played elvis in this movie i i well, we looked it up it was val it's val oh, you, i'm the researcher yeah. in this group yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you know like i related i relate to christian slater's character in this film mm-hmm. uh and because that's what and and, and quentin Tarant- it is quentin tarantino it's mm-hmm. it's it's very very to the left not like quentin like mm-hmm. it is quentin tarantino writing for him as himself well, quentin tarantino himself has said that this script is his one of his most autobiographical in in the having himself in it a lot yeah he yeah. himself has said as much yeah and it's it's like you want it. I mean, not to bring up old episodes here, but it's like you oh, want sure. that. You want that. You want that life. You want that life is like a movie feeling, mm-hmm. right? Like just like we talked about in Scream. Uh, it, Quentin Tarantino, I think, lives his whole life wanting his life to be like a movie, and so he's. This is. Shoot, I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, there's things I liked about it, but it's just so so clear that he's just like, yeah, and then it'll be cool if, and then we'd be cool, and then, and then it'd be cool if there's a, a mob, and then, <laughs> you know, like, like his dialogue's always great, the motifs yeah. he picks is great, but like the rawness of like his plot and 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 like the things that happen in this movie, I'm just like, bro. Like you just want your life, you just want your life to be a movie. Well, you know? to to go along with that, it's it's 
and to kind of go along with my point a little bit, it's these characters are making very dramatic, huge, life-changing decisions without any thought to it whatsoever. I yeah. love you. I love you. Let's get married. I'm going to go kill your your pimp. <laughs> We're yeah. going to sell this Coke. You know, it's like, whoa. Like, they're just like, doing it without any... We're going to have sex in this phone booth on the side of the road. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. This is not... Like, this is the problem I have, honestly, when writing films, mm-hmm. right? Is I can't make those choices. Like, those choices in this movie, I do not buy. I do not buy Christian Slater just suddenly deciding that he's going to go murder a pimp. You know? Those I, I, the, I, yeah. I can't. I can't get behind it. No, especially – yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, that's one of the problems I have with this movie is a lot of things like – it's like, oh, wow. Like the motivations behind a lot of these things are almost psychotic in like are. how quickly they arrive to certain decisions. Like are you guys insane? Like you're not even thinking about this for a second. I mean, he has to be psychotic. It's the only way. Like Chris Schrader's character has to be psychotic. It's the only way he can make those decisions. I mean, he is seeing right Elvis. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I guess that justifies it a little. But the way we like Christian Slater so much in the movie, right? And they do such he they, they do such a great job of making him such a a conduit for the viewer like so many people that are watching this movie are film you know because the movie was very small too like this movie was a very small movie so even at the time people that were seeing this movie were probably very film nerds you know people who not cool kids right like like that's not the people that were seeing true romance at that time so okay okay people were seeing themselves in this comic book nerd sweet kid who just can't this you know, was doesn't my- have the social skills to like really like actually put himself out there, but he's such a nice. Seems like such a nice guy who's just lonely and looking for this, someone this is to share his I, life with. This is what I mean by birth of incel culture. Right. Okay, so what I mean is, is Quentin Tarantino made this movie that's about what his definition of true romance is, right? But it's actually angry. It's actually mad because. It's not – he knows that romance isn't real and that life isn't like this. So he made this like angry movie to show you what romance is that proves romance actually isn't real. So everybody's like wants to emulate Chris, Christian Slater. It's like this movie made nerdy boys angry that their lives weren't like this. Does that I, make sense? I find in Alabama. I'm a nice guy just like just like Claire. Yeah. Like, like I should be, my life should be, and then, and then they pick up guns and and shoot up a school. You know what I mean? Like, like they think that life should be romantic like this and Mm -hmm. it's not right. But it's, I think, I think this film and Tarantino Mm. sparked a whole culture of guys going, man, my life should, you know, like, I mean, I moved to LA with $3,000 in a backpack and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. That I can't I can't not say I didn't do that because like of romance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like of thinking it could be like a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like I don't know. I don't know. It's just 
I can just see, like I said, the thin veil over Quentin Tarantino's personality in this film. And it's, and it, it makes me sad. It makes me a little sad for him and, and, and for like a lot of people. I don't know. No, I, I totally agree. And I think there's a line in this film and I didn't write it down, but not like talking it out with you. It kind of, uh, uh, kind of reminds me of a little bit, maybe a little bit more to like kind of my thinking a little bit of like, uh, Alabama has this little voiceover in the beginning, uh, where she's, she frames the story in a way by uh, as like she's recount she's recounting it for us. Well, it's like Gone with the Wind, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Alabama's recounting this whirlwind love affair for us. Um, so a lot of it's, it starts off with her voiceover and ends with her voiceover. So the voiceover in the beginning, um, she mentions something about I always used to ask Clarence um, something about something something about true romance or why our lives are so difficult or this something like that. And he, he said, well, you know, true romance is a give and take, right? Like it goes one way, but then it, sometimes it also goes the other way too. Like sometimes things are bad. Life is bad. But sometimes yeah. life can be – will be equally as good as it has been bad. Hmm. Like there's this I, give and take. Well, I agree with that. I don't I, I don't remember that line though. So um, I, Let me see if I can find the actual quote Okay, I kept asking Clarence why our world seemed to be collapsing and things seemed to be getting so shitty. And he'd say, that's the way it goes. But don't forget, it goes the other way too. Hmm. That's the way romance is. Usually that's the way it goes. But every once in a while, it goes the other way too. That's yeah, the exact would, quote. But the the film makes it out, everything out to be very hyperbolic. No, that's true. You know? and, and, and that I would agree with you. Up until there's one moment for me where things crash down a little bit and there's an actual moment of like genuine sincerity about the way that these characters are living their lives. And it's the uh, scene after Alabama gets beaten up by Virgil. On the couch. Yeah. Uh, on the couch outside. Yeah. By yeah. LAX. Yeah. Or maybe that might be the Burbank airport, but you know, by the airport. And it's yeah. – uh, so for uh, – script geeks out there and structure nerds uh i'm considering that to be the dark night of the soul moment um following like the all is lost moment for 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 clarence coming in and seeing that his his wife was nearly killed by this mobster and it's yeah. all his it was all his fault there was a whiff of death as is another is another term they like to use at this moment his wife was almost killed yeah and she was beaten to near near death yeah. And it's that moment of realization for him of, oh, the decisions I've been making have consequences. It, yeah, it, that, it's it's literally only a look. Like it is – so there's something I tracked too in that moment. Did you ever notice the the, the weird like Caribbean-style music? Yeah, Hans Zimmer, what a weird score, man. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that any time that music was playing – it's not how it would go in real life. Mm -hmm. So anytime you would hear that music in the background, it would always be some sort of romanticized take on how it would actually go. Mm -hmm. So like you heard it when the dad like agreed to yeah. do the cop thing. You heard it when uh, like there was like, like uh, a bunch of there. Like I, I literally like noted it. I forgot to happen a lot. It happens a lot in the beginning. 
Yeah. So anytime, anytime things turn positive when in real life they wouldn't, Mm -hmm. there was that music playing in the background. Now that music was playing in the background when they're on that cat on the couch Mm -hmm. and they're talking about like getting on a plane and getting out of there. Mm -hmm. And it was the only moment that that was going on where you expected it. So like, he does this like look after she says what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's the only moment in the whole movie that I believe Christian Slater is actually like considering her safety and like considering her, like or it's the only like authentic moment mm-hmm. that the, these characters made. So I'm saying what you're saying, but it's like interesting. It's interesting that, that music is on in the background too, mm. because it's it, almost like a subtle it, influence. Yeah, like a subconscious thing. Because you're right. Like for me, like that scene is the one scene where you're like, it's like genuine people being like, "Oh fuck!" Like we are in a bad position here. Uh, we've made bad mistakes, and we did not think it was going to catch up with us. Um, it's, and it's and like. For, it's, I, I, I'm, it's like almost like Christian Slater can hear the music. That's what like, I'm saying. Like at least subconsciously yeah. influencing him to make the more flashy decision. Yeah. Yeah. When like they could just decide to give, to give, you know, to leave that, that cocaine somewhere, tip the, tip the mob off and just go like, just run away. But instead yeah. they make the flashier decision. Uh, for me that the, what's makes that scene, the most genuine part is Christian Slater's character, Clarence talking about his life. He used to, he used to live by the the Detroit airport, right? And how yeah. it sucked because his life was bad. His life was sad, depressing and lonely. And he would see these planes flying away and coming in and out every day. People going everywhere, you know, people going everywhere in the world and all he could do is watch and be stuck there. Yeah. And him just being like, look, my life was very much not a romance before I yeah. met you. You know? Yeah. Like it, it was real. It got real there for a second. He's like, look, like I understand. Like it, it, life really isn't like what we're pretending it's, it is right now. Like what we're – we've gotten swept up in. Yeah. But we – but then you're right. That music comes in and he's like, but we can make it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah if we try hard enough we can yeah. make it that way which yeah, is really man. interesting to me that scene i think is like the linchpin for my like feelings on this movie about like the fact that like these characters like you said these characters are in love with the idea of making their lives this special thing you know yeah uh that live fast live fast live fast well i mean just i just it's like Elvis, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Elvis, Elvis wasn't a very happy person. No. You know? And like, but like we, we idealize him. We want to, everybody wishes they could, could be Elvis, mm-hmm. you know, but Elvis, Elvis was trying so hard to make other people happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he was miserable because like if you ever watch old videos of him and like 
you can just tell he's trying to, he wants to perform for you. Like mm-hmm. he wants to make you happy. Like that's what he, he isn't going to be okay unless he fulfills you somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. I just like that, that juxtaposition. It's like, it is, it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm spiraling here, I guess, with my, my analysis. I just think, I just think it's, uh, it's true romance. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to digress here. I'm going to digress. Oh, uh Oh, Oh, hold the phone. So there is a moment in this movie that I really connected with. And it was ironic because it was my anniversary for this yesterday. Oh, congratulations. So, well, I mean, so I said, we were watching the movie and, and Sarah 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 sat next to me and we were watching the movie and it's when they first arrived to Los Angeles. Right. Mm -hmm. And like it evoked a feeling in me because I was like, there is nothing like your first car ride in LA. Like there is nothing like your first arrival to LA. Like the day you get to Los, Los Angeles, like it feels like you're in a movie. It really does. It feels there's something about it. That's like, whoa i am here i am in hollywood and uh and so like they get there and i just i could feel that you know i could feel Mm. that romanticism um and it fades you know the longer you're in la you're like Mm -hmm. like it's just like it you know like la can be drab it can be boring you know Mm -hmm. it can be hard to go places like there are moments in Los Angeles where you get that movie feeling back, but it's like not, not really there. Hey man, a, a romance is exciting, enjoyable love affair, especially one that is not serious or long lasting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess. So what I'm saying is there is an unrequitedness to true romance. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, like, I think it goes back to this push and pull of, um, sometimes it goes the other way, right? Yeah. Like true romance is when it can only be real if it's not requited. It's like, Interesting. It, it, well, that I, it was weird. We watched Milena, this Italian movie before this, and that, that was a line from that movie. And I was like, well, it really applies here too. And, and, and I think that's it. It's like. It's the longing for romance. It's the longing for it that makes it real. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just the longing. Romance is just the absence of actual romance. Well, you know, that's so interesting uh, that you say like un- a romance is unrequited, right? Um, yeah. Because the original tagline for this movie and like what it was like sent around with as the tagline was when you're tired of relationships – try a romance mm. so this idea of a relationship is a give and take right a relationship is two people you know in a relationship it's it's it does go both ways right yeah where so it's like when you're tired of that try this instead implying that a romance is different in function than a yeah. than a relationship yeah right yeah um 
which I think is really, really interesting. Um, yeah, uh, something that really struck me was how these are all small details that I think really kind of go into this idea of fast, right? Fast, speed, speed, fast, quick. Yeah. Uh, adrenaline, right? I mean, obviously the cocaine is a rush. Yeah. Yeah. Like for sure. But then you have things like all the fast food that they eat throughout the thing. Fast food, you know, their their diet is a diet of cheeseburgers. Right. A di- their diet is things uh, of people who don't want to live very long. <laughs> you know? They they have a business meeting at, at, at Six Flags. Right. Well, not even that. They're on the ro- they go on the roller coaster. Yeah. And during like their conversation with Elliot he, you know, he's screaming, "Ride it out, baby! Ride it out!" Like, take yeah, this, yeah. take this fast ride all the way to the end, right? Um, yeah. Also, the fact that, like, how much sugar that Clarence like consumes throughout this, he's yeah. constantly piling sugar into his coffee, uh, the pie. You know, uh, you know, he's constantly sugar, sugar everywhere. I, you know, ice cream, all that stuff. Um, and uh, uh, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, so yeah, it's like he he wants to die young, mm-hmm. like oh you know we we yeah his uh he he pulls out of the the in, the uh, safari inn and he says now we return to your episode of Bullet in Progress like Bullet yeah, was yeah, all yeah. about that kind of like fast Mavericks life like style, uh and then the last thing I thought was really interesting to go along with all this sweetness right they talk about things being sweet a lot during the scene that. Alabama was getting beaten. By the way, James Gandolfini. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, uh, during There's that a few scene, of those moments. Yeah. During the scene, uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson's in there. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary, yes, Drexel. Was... Gary Oldman said that's one of his favorite roles he's ever played. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. I, so that, the craziest moment about that was I had never seen – I'd never seen this movie. Mm-hmm. But as I was watching Gary Oldman, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is that monologue that guy does in Barry. So, like, in the first episode of Barry, there's, like, this white guy doing a monologue from True Romance, and it's horrible. It's horrible. So, it's like – and I thought it – I always thought it was a white guy trying to play a black guy, do, like, a black guy's monologue. (laughs) Kind of is. But I had no idea it was actually Gary Oldman doing doing – this whatever Bayou character <laughs> that he's doing. So I, I, I couldn't believe I remember. Yeah. If you've never seen that episode of Barry, go watch it. I'll have it. to check it's, it out. I'll have to check out Barry. Yeah. But uh, to go back to what I was saying, so the scene when Alabama's getting beaten in the hotel room, on the ground, she's laying on the ground, she's bloody. On the ground, you can see packets of artificial sweetener. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I did notice that. I was like, why? What is that choice? Like, what is the artificial – like why does she have all this artificial sweetener? I don't know because they never actually – you never see them using it throughout this. Like like you know, they're drinking coffee and he's putting real sugar in his shit. So like what, what is this artificial sweetener? Well – Why do they it, have it? Yeah. I mean Maybe I they guess, stole it. I don't know. But. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I think the I think she puts it in her purse. It's like her thing yeah. is she puts it in her purse whenever they go to restaurants because it's free and she can. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but and like – Sweetness all around, and then during this one really – one of these scenes where things are going bad, we see artificial sweetener. That mm-hmm. like, Kind of like you were saying, a, a lie of a romance. Yeah. This romance has been a lie, and now you can see it here. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. 
but yeah. T- but also, I mean, to to go to go to along with your uh, like unrequited like uh, uh, and the idea that uh, romance is not long lasting. The whole thing about romances, especially like fantasy romances and things like that, is that that phrase that we all know the happily ever after, right? Happily yeah. ever after. So you see the story of how the romance plays out early on to where that it usually ends with the couple getting together, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's oh, and then yada yada yada, <laughs> happily ever after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like. That's how romances are. Romances, technically, like if you want to say, like in this in the realm of their own universes, are long lasting. They lived happily ever after. So okay, they lived the rest of their lives yeah. happy. Yeah. But for us as the audience and our experience of it, we we are just told, oh yeah, and they live happily ever after. You don't need to know what the rest of yeah. this. So yeah. so the 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 happily ever after the long longevity of the relationship is truncated. Yes, and this film does the same thing. We see the whole dramatic thing play out, and then the ending is them on the beach in Mexico and having a child several years later. Yada yada yada. We're happy. And we're happy has, forever and ever. And he has a little eye patch. patch. Yeah, <laughs> he has a little eye patch. Uh, so yada yada yada. Uh, we we uh, we we live happily ever after. So yeah, they're li- she like Alabama is literally turning her their life into a romance. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, at least telling us as if it's a romance. Yeah. I, I feel like this Elvis thing is just sitting here. Like, like I, I have it and I need your help. Okay. Deconstructing it. Okay. okay? Cause like even at the end of the movie, she's talking about you're, Wait, you're so cool. You're, you're so, so cool. cool. And Elvis was so cool, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I guess what I'm saying is, it's like, uh, Elvis was so cool, but he was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. He worried so much about what other people thought, mm-hmm. but that's what made him cool. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about romance, so it's like, it was, so Elvis had this longing to be a thing, mm-hmm. But he could not become that thing. It's like, it's like he, he like I'm. What I'm saying is, is it's the absence of fulfillment that creates the romance. It's the longing for something that makes it romantic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like Elvis is this rep, like it represents this really well, because it's like Elvis wanted approval his want for approval is what created this image mm-hmm. of him, but he never felt fulfilled. He never felt mm-hmm. like he was cool. Mm-hmm. He was never cool enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, like, like this whole, like the whole idea of being cool to me, especially with the way she said it, you're so cool. You're so cool. Like, there's something, there's something there. There's a connection there between Elvis, your so cool romance. And I'm not, I don't think I'm saying it very well, but. Uh. No, I, 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 I see what you're saying. I'm having trouble connecting your dots a little bit though. I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, uh, 
Elvis, Elvis, his desire, his desire to be this epitome of, of cool and having everybody love him. Right. Was his yeah. driving force. And everybody did love Elvis. Elvis was like one of the biggest things to ever happen to the world ever. Right. But he always felt like he had to keep doing, continue, keep going, keep exactly. doing, keep doing it. Keep you going. Know? Yeah. Um, it, it's he never like felt he, it. Right. It, it's like, it's like, okay. So he was just in love with the, he was in love with the romance of being cool. So mm-hmm. like if he ever accepted that he was cool, he wouldn't be cool anymore mm-hmm. in his own, like, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, it is the absence of that creates the romance. Right. Right. So, it is the longing for. So you're, so what you're saying romance. is it's only a, it's only romance when it's fictional. Yeah. When it's a, an idea. Right. It's only romance. Once, once it becomes real, it, it loses its romanticism. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's, that kind of is like the, the midpoint between our two like interpretations of this, right? It's like my idea, my feeling is like the true romance is the love of a romantic life, right? And that's what, or at least how the, what I was getting out of this film and yours is that romance is a, is a lie. Yeah. Um, and I think this is like falls in between them where it's like, yes, ro- living an actual romance is a lie. Like once, cause once well, you live it, it's no longer a romance. Yeah. Like, t- okay, okay, okay. Like, think about Elvis mm-hmm. and how he lived as his life went. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he got rich and famous and cool, and then he got fat, and he was still living like he was rich and, and, he, was and, rich and he, became a, like, he became a joke. He became a caricature of himself. Yeah. I mean, people make fun of fat Elvis all the time. You know what I mean? Or be yeah. like, use that as a, a punchline. And so many things. Um, yeah. So I, I think that this is like the midline of this. Like you, you can love the true romance is the romance itself is the fanta- the love of the fantasy, right? That's the romance. That's before true Elvis, before Elvis knew he was Elvis, he was mm-hmm. Elvis. Exactly. But once he becomes Elvis, right. he's no longer Elvis. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it stops being a romance once you, self-actualize it right yeah it's, it's just real then it's not a romance I think, anymore i think i mean okay i'm gonna i'm gonna show a little bit of my own what's it about here i think i live like this a little bit in self-sabotage mm-hmm. so i think if i ever actualize what i actually want it won't be as good I can't as romantic i can't romanticize it anymore you know mm-hmm. so i think i do that a lot to keep like if I I'm I'm scared of becoming cool because then if I am cool, I won't be cool. Mm-hmm. No, I I think you know I, mean? I think everybody has a little bit of that. I mean, for me, it's like it's the idea of being needed for me, right? Like I yeah. I like feeling needed. I love that feeling, but I also martyr myself maybe a little bit too much, and I complain about martyring myself too much. But really, truthfully if I just accepted the fact that like, I don't want to do these things, but I, I need that thing. You know what I mean? That combination yeah. of like, I need to feel needed, but I don't want to be needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. weird. It's a weird. So, back so maybe, so I'm going to pose this. I mean, really this podcast isn't about the movies. It's about that us. We're watching. Well, I mean, it's about what's it about? And we're using 
we're using these films to help us figure out what's it about. The big it, the uppercase yeah. it. I mean, I think, I think uh, the movies are just tools for us to help us figure out what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, we just, that's got, what this podcast we just got super self-reflective. Thanks. <laughs> but we got to talk about Brad Pitt in this movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, just, just, just real quick. We'll get to Brad Pitt. That'll be our last point. But just a couple – just like two more notes I just wanted to to kind of uh, throw out there that kind of illustrates a little bit how I how I feel. Uh, the last two things I have on my little notes – oh, and then I'll bring up one more thing. Sorry. Um, so Elliot – so we see this reflection of like trying to create – that romantic life we see it with elliot's character who's like the uh assistant the personal assistant to this big hollywood director he is not rich and famous but he borrows his boss's car drives fast with a hot girl with a bunch of coke on him like he's even though he does not have that life he's trying so hard to make himself have that life uh and there's that moment in the elevator which insane scene yeah we're like what he just flips on a freaking dime this clarence guy well and it makes you go it makes you go wow clarence is really smart like, yeah clarence is with pick, it. pick up on it on the most subtle of things he, yeah. yeah yeah uh and, and then, then elliot cries out i don't like this anymore i don't like the romance anymore it's lost its luster to him in that yeah. moment when yeah. it became real uh and then the cops are doing the same thing they're trying to create their own cop fantasy with this drug bus they're like trying to manufacture it so hard to their yeah. to literally their their own doom yeah and and so we see this like idea reflect of like the way that like clarence and alabama are trying to live their life reflected in everybody else except for michael rapaport's character dick who is just along for the ride and there's a moment where he's you think he's gonna say i don't want to come after he gets that yeah, big part yeah. He's like, and they're getting ready to go, and he's like, and he's like, but the music plays. Uh huh. The music plays, and uh-huh. he goes. That's what I'm saying. I don't. He he didn't want to go. He did not want to yeah. go. He's like, I have too much to live for now. Like this yeah. is not what I want. I want to live in the because I'm having my own real thing. Which is ironic because he's the actor. He's right? the like actor. He, he's, he's having the, the real thing. Yeah. He, well, he's trying. You know, he's he's literally trying to put himself in the movies. Mm-hmm. So it's I, like he's, he's still like, guilty of it. Yeah, but he's the, the, the for a moment he's like maybe I need to live in reality yeah. for a second. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought I, was really interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring up the, those two ideas of like, oh, we've seen this fractalized in other characters throughout the film as well. Um, and also there, this came up twice. This quote from Hamlet: uh, "The something's rotten in Denmark." I I mark I I wrote that down Twice. too. Twice. Clarence says it at the beginning, and then the cop says it. Uh, one yeah. of the cops says it while they're interrogating. I knew someone's running in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Of this, so which makes you think that this is going to be a tragedy, like that everybody's. For me, it made me think like, oh, everybody's going to die. You well, know? I mean, we basically had a Hamlet moment at the end. That's what I'm saying. That's you what I was know? like. Like I was like, oh. I think I genuinely think that's the first scene he wrote. I don't, you know, I can't, I can't know it, but I just like, I, I imagine Quentin Tarantino being like by his typewriter or whatever and being like, what if, what if you got the mobsters and you got, you got the cops 
And then you got the other bad guys, and they all come in, and they all start shooting each other, and they, they get away. <laughs> that so, seems so funny. You put your gun down. No, you put your gun down. No, you put your gun down. It's just so like comic booky. Yeah. Like it's just so like like so like a fifteen year old boy would think it up. Yeah. Uh, and I thought so. I just thought that was interesting because like original apparently in the original draft of the script, Clarence dies, hmm. and they changed it uh, when they were shooting. To have this like ending, this happy ending. Interesting. Interesting. Two weeks in a row, we've had a had a character die, and they changed it. So, I mean, that would make maybe okay. So maybe this, if if Clarence dies, then maybe this is like Quentin Tarantino's was was taking Hamlet as like a a base structure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that would make sense. Like that would make a lot of sense really mm-hmm. if this is like tarantino's version of hamlet i i had a a nerd a quentin tarantino nerdy thought mm-hmm. is what if he remade this movie and he directed it what would it be like you don't think it'd be very similar this movie's very tarantino yeah but i mean he his style has definitely changed since then though a little bit yeah and and there were things in the movie that like the music some of the music was really good. Some of it was weird. Oh man, and I then, love that that wounded bird song when they were yeah, like yeah, having yeah. sex. That song was so good. Yeah, uh, Charles and Eddie, what a great song! I downloaded I it love, after this because it was so good. I, I yeah, I want to listen to the whole thing. It, like a lot of the Elvis songs were great, of course. Um, well, but um, the the violence was not as pretty as Tarantino violence. The no. violence was a lot more grotesque and yeah. like. Ugh, like like rough to watch. Are you talking about when Gary Oldman gets shot in the penis? Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that I mean, just like it's just it was not pretty. It was no. gritty and like not. It wasn't pulp fiction, you no. know. Like it wasn't. It was. It was violent. Mm-hmm. It was really violent. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Now let's let's get to the let's get to the Brad Pitt of it all. <laughs> best part of the movie brad pitt is the best part of this movie i in my opinion like like he's not i mean he's not doing a great acting performance you know but like he just i think he nails it like the, like like i think that that like brad pitt smoked a lot of weed brad pitt was a huge stoner for a really long time so like if he could play anything it's a stoner and I just I loved everything he was in. I loved how when they, when they would show up to uh, to talk to him, he would just spill the beans. Like he was just like like yeah, man, they're 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 over here at the ambassador. You know, like I, I thought he was great. <laughs> he was great. He was really really funny, and he improvised most of his lines. Apparently, they just yeah. you know he just kind of went for it. Yeah, are you here? He's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, go to the store and pick up some food and, and some cleaning some products. products. <laughs> uh, it was uh, great. No, he was very funny. And he, he, he like grounded in such a weird way because like you're right. He's so subdued, right? There's all this wildness going on all around him. He's just laying on the couch. Someone walks into his house is like, hey, we're looking for uh, your your buddy, Dick. Uh, Dick and uh, uh, Clarence. Oh, yeah, they're, uh, they're staying at the, the safari inn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think he was the inspiration for 
I mean, this character seems like the inspiration for the coke or the drug dealer in uh, uh, in Pulp Fiction. Maybe. You know, like I mean, I, got, I haven't read anything that would said that specifically, but maybe. Well, so you know how like, you know how like they say that directors are, are you're really trying to sell, t- tell the same story in every movie mm-hmm. that you 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 do like, like every director has one story that they're telling over, over and over. And over. Again. Yeah. You, I, I mean, like, it was like ripped wide open for Tarantino with this one. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just he is he is mad. That life is not the way he thinks it should be, <laughs> and he tries to rewrite it in every one of his movies. It's either creating the romance of it, like in Pulp Fiction, or rewriting history, like in Glorious Bastards and uh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he wants to write life the way he thinks it should be. I think. Yeah, man. There was there there was really weird um, things too that just like just like like caught my eyes and made me think about his other movies in it. Like when he's like referencing the Nazi comic book, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Inglorious Bastards. Like all of Tarantino's favorite stuff is in this movie. Like mm-hmm. it's his favorite stuff. All his yeah. favorite stuff is in it. Yeah. And that just, that's what makes it feel so adolescent. And so like juvenile. I was like, Oh, I'm going to put ninjas in it. And I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to put ninjas and Nazis. And there's going to be the, the mobs going to be in hookers and cocaine. And it's like anything you can think of. And uh, <laughs> gonna be I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm burning him so hard. <laughs> you really I'm, are. I'm, and Elvis. And there's going to be, he's going to, Elvis is going to be a ghost. <laughs> um, but like, I, I loved it. But at the same time, it was just like, you could just see that oh this is really, really it. Tarantino just wants romance, man. He just, he wants romance. And um, I did have a final point about it, but maybe it's more romantic if I forget. Very nice, bravo! Yeah, yeah. You know what? We're all looking for a little bit of romance. So if if you guys out there want to check out True Romance, you can do that. Uh, and you know, we we were definitely kind of ragging on it a little bit, but there are some moments that are really fun. It's definitely super energetic, and if you like Tarantino isms, uh, it's. It's right up your alley. Um, oh. Hold that thought. Did you notice that Christian Slater talks exactly the same way that Brad Pitt talks in Inglorious Bastards? Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I mean, so so you know the Tarantino verse is a thing. All his movies take yeah. place in the same universe. Yeah. So Lee Donowitz, the direct, the Hollywood director, is a direct descendant of. Uh, um, a character from Inglorious Bastards, whose last name is Donowitz. They're, they're, oh, the Jewish guy, the Jew, yeah, the, the bear Jew, yeah, yeah uh, uh, Eli yeah. Roth's character, yeah. Okay, that's his. That's his descendant. But I, I mean, I wonder if Brad Pitt was told to do that by Tarantino, or if it was Brad Pitt's choice. Mm. Like, like why? Like he talked exactly the same way in Inglorious Bastards. Brad Pitt's character talks exactly like. Well, like oh gosh, oh, what did I read? I read that Christian Slater. Um, they uh, Christian Slater and the director Tony Scott had a disagreement about how to play this character. I can't remember what movie. 
they told him to watch. Uh, God, what was it? Um, they, he like Tony Scott gave Christian Slater like homework and was like, "Hey, watch this, and this is how I want this character to be played." And then when you when you hear it, you're like, "Yeah, that sounds exactly like like what uh, like what Christian Slater's doing." Let me find it real quick. Come on, internet. And then we'll get to our final thoughts and uh, what yeah, we're going to do yeah. for our next for our next. Uh, our next yeah, show. Ricky's uh, right. It's definitely definitely watch it, especially especially if you're someone who hasn't seen Tarantino's movies. I think I think this is a really good one to start. Like I I'm coming in backwards, you know. So it's like it's like different for me. Mm. But I think I would I, I think I would love if I had never seen. Any Tarantino movie, I would have loved to see this one mm. first. Uh, the movie that Tony Scott told him to watch was Taxi Driver. Watch De Niro's oh. character. Oh, I, there was there was several moments in this movie. I was like, this looks like it's straight out of Taxi Driver. Yep, there you go. Very yeah. the character is very influenced by that wow. feel. Wow. Um, also, just something funny that I thought was a weird coincidence. This is the third film in a row we've had on this podcast where they referenced football. Huh. We had uh, my boyfriend's a football player and he'll kick your ass in screen. <laughs> and then we have that whole like football Heisman scene in Ice Age yeah. with the melon. And then in this one, same thing. She's in the hotel room. Oh, you know, my boyfriend. You can ask my boyfriend. Yeah, he's, he's a football player. He's a football player. Yeah. He said practice. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, but that was just like an add-on. Yeah. It's – this film is definitely a fantasy for sure. It's a wild – crazy fantasy so if you're down for the ride like ride it out baby you know like go for it because there's some fun to be had for sure um and you like the characters like the characters are super fun and enjoyable yeah and but it's insane it is it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> i have a final thought um that might be dumb but uh at the very beginning of the movie, when I was trying to like figure out what it was about and I was making notes, I wrote, I wrote, what makes us love someone or something? Pie. So you're going to have to bear with my train of thought on this. Okay. okay. Um, pie is an unknown. Mm-hmm. It's like an infant number, but it solves It's but it, it's like, we'll never know it, which is kind of romantic but it's like how you solve the problem. So it's like, it is, it's an, un, it takes an unknown number to solve, to for like that. That's what love is, right? It's like an unknown. I don't know. I don't know. It's you want to like, get some pie with me? Sure. I love to get yeah. some pie. Yeah. That was, he made I, me I, think I, about you. Cause we used to go to the pot. We used to go to the pie place yeah. here in LA when you lived here. It was super trippy to see the Vista as like Detroit. Yeah. Like when they come out of the movie theater, I'm like, I go, I'm, that was romantic for me. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. that's my movie theater. Like that's the movie theater I go to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has yeah. pie. All right. All right. So yeah, go check out true romance. Uh, if you have not already, we had fun talking about it and there's definitely a lot of stuff that like you can find within it. That's very, uh, like good conversation can be had about this film for sure. Uh, so let's talk about what we're going to be doing for next time. By the way, everybody, uh, we did start this podcast as a bi-weekly. We're going weekly. 
So, so uh, starting here in February, uh, you guys will have the What's It About Film podcast every Friday. So every please Friday. follow us. Uh, uh, you can find us on Spotify and Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, go ahead and fo- follow and subscribe to us so you guys know uh, and get notifications every time uh, our episodes drop on Fridays, Friday mornings. So keep an eye out. All right. So, Seth, the film that we're going to do next week. I was doing a lot of research. Um, some here's some uh, fun anniversaries that are coming up here in February. Okay. Wayne's World is having its 30th anniversary. Wayne's World! <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Chronicle is having its 10th anniversary. Okay. I've never seen Chronicle. Britney Spears Crossroads is having its 20th Whoa. anniversary. Whoa. Crossroads? I have seen Crossroads. <laughs> Should we do crossroads? <laughs> I don't know. What are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? What's cross? What is it about? What's crossroads about? <laughs> what are the deeper philosophical <laughs> themes uh, of crossroads? The end of the music career. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're not doing any of those movies. There's a film coming up called Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to the Agatha Christie adaptation, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh. Directed by Kenneth Branagh and starring Kenneth Branagh. So we are going to go ahead and we are going to be talking about Murder on the Orient Express, the 2017 version. Oh, the, the like, the oh, most recent one. Wow. Oh, I would never have watched this movie otherwise. So I see, I, I thought about maybe yeah. going back to the original, but I think that one has been picked apart to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. People yeah. kind of saw this one and they kind of left it as is. And I know. Kenneth Branagh had an interpretation on the story, right? So I want to – when I watched it, I didn't really dig too deep into it. I just kind of enjoyed the mystery of it all. So I want to yeah. get a little bit into what's actually going on there underneath all that. Cool. I'm looking awesome. forward to it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you're watching along, we're watching the 2017 Murder on the Orient Express for next week. And we will see you there on What's It About. See you next time. Adios.